Hysteria is brought to you by Books. This Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She deserves the best. That's why you should send her farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. And right now, you can get 25% off your entire Books purchase. Here's why everyone likes the Books company. Books is different. Their flowers are cut fresh and sourced directly from the best flower farms, so they last way longer. They even have flowers grown on the side of a volcano, which I love. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. Books is simple. Go online, pick the delivery date, and you are done. Mother's Day is May 12th. Don't miss the chance to thank your mom. Order your books now. And with 20% off, you can send some to mom, wife, aunt, and even grandma. Erin, I love my books. I love a flower that lasts forever, and my books arrangements really do last a full solid week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have uh, I have some sitting on my kitchen table right now, mm-hmm. and they've been there for several days. And usually when I buy them at, like, the grocery store, they're sort of, like, starting to crap Fade. out pretty quickly. Yep. Not with books. They stick around. They look beautiful. I like how they kind of slowly open up and become even more beautiful as they sit on your, you know, wherever Absolutely, you Absolutely, because they're that fresh. So go to books.com and use promo code hysteria for 25% off. That's B-O-U-Q-S.com, promo code hysteria. Books, promo code hysteria. Hello and welcome to Hysteria. I'm Erin Ryan. This week we tackle these questions. Why has the news gotten so hacky? How can you tell when a man acting creepy about his daughter's virginity is actually telling on himself? Just ask T.I. And why should you always follow your white bean dip truth? Stick around to hear Alyssa Mastromonaco, Kieran Deal, Tian Tran, and Priyanka Arabindi answer these questions and more. This week marks the beginning of several weeks of public impeachment hearings, during which the American people will hear testimony that sounds a lot like penthouse letters, but instead of about sex, it's about treason. Can't wait to wake up every morning and smell that fresh hell. But in the meantime, it's lazy writing week in the simulation that dictates our reality. We have the president's son who wrote a book about how liberals are triggered about everything, being so triggered by right-wing protesters he had to leave a book event. Donald Trump Jr., welcome to the resistance. Yet another scammer in the scammiest administration of all time, a White House advisor who's breaking boundaries for Jewish Nazis everywhere. And Rudy Giuliani, the man at the center of the impeachment scandal, wants to start a fucking impeachment podcast. Rudy, as a podcaster, it's harder than it sounds. To break that down and more, I'm going to call my friend, former White House Deputy Chief of Operations under President Obama, and one of the world's leading Grateful Dead theologians, Alyssa Mastromonaco. Hello. Hey, Alyssa, I have a quick question for you. Yes. (laughs) You sound so impatient already. (laughs) What would the Grateful Dead say about what we're going through as a country right now? You're one of the world's leading Grateful Dead theologians, which is how I introduced you this week. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to say that Robert Hunter, one of the great lyricists of all time, probably put it best in one of my favorite songs, The Greatest Story Ever Told. Ready for this one? Yeah. Tell me, tell me you don't think this just sums it up in a nutshell if you're Donald Trump watching the impeachment hearings right now. Okay. You can't close the door when the walls caved in. Amen. 
Amen, right? Isn't that a good one? That is a really good one. Amen. Amen. Um, so, so here's the thing. Like right now we're sitting in a recording studio and some guy who has stolen Walter Cronkite's voice is testifying that Donald Trump is doing treason on Capitol Hill. <laughs> And crimes, other crimes, so other, many crimes. All the crimes. Um, but there's other stuff kind of swirling around that honestly to me sounded like like bad writing, you know, like. <laughs> um, so let me start with my favorite story from this week that is not about the impeachment. Um, Donald Trump Jr. wrote a book called Triggered um, about how liberals are trying to silence conservatives and um, and shout them down and keep them from speaking. And then at a book event in California, Donald Trump Jr. was chased from the stage by conservative protesters. I mean, look, it's a little obvious, you know? I mean, it's it's on the nose, right? I mean, like you couldn't, like if someone, if you were... Aaron in a position where you are receiving television scripts and someone wrote an episode that they submitted to you, which was like loony conservative son writes book called triggered and then gets triggered. Yeah. I mean, that, that sounds a little bit curb your enthusiasm to me, like, like a curb episode, but a lot of stuff would have to happen in between us hearing what the title of the book was and him actually being triggered. Like it would, ha- it would have to start out and we would just kind of register it in the back of our minds. And then the finale, when we, when we hear the like, bump, 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 and then it all is like, oh, okay, he got triggered. That's the joke. We all arrived at it at the same time, but this just felt very like messy, you know? Yeah. Agree. Agree. Uh, what was your favorite, a little bit too on the nose story from this week? My fave, I think, has to be um, an NBC News story, title of which is Bolton suggests some of Trump's foreign policy decisions are guided by personal interest. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Can you come on? Like, first of all, here's just like one. It's I mean. Give me a fucking break. Of course, this is true. Like, everyone knows this is true. The mouse in my house knows this is true. But, like, we don't actually have a mouse. I don't know why I said okay, that. Okay, I was going to um, say, you've got, your cats are fucking okay, up. My cats would be fully asleep. Like, the what is, what is the their point if you have a mouse? Like, that is literally the only good thing that cats bring to the table, besides love and adorability. Um, but that's the only, like, function. Anyway, good. I'm glad you don't have a real house. I'm glad it's figured. No, but it's like, like, I'm glad that John Bolton can get paid a lot of money to go talk to rich people at Morgan Stanley. And in a closed door meeting, be like, hey, guys, here's the inside scoop. It's fucked up in there. But then also, like, you're you're saving all your good juice for the book deal you're getting. But, like, crimes are being committed. But you don't seem overly concerned with that right now. And you'll tell this stuff to people at Morgan Stanley, but not Congress. I mean, it's just like... Come on, don't make us do all the work. You know what I hate about this story is that it is forcing me to like root for John to be like, yeah, John, totally. Do it, John Bolton. Yes, exactly. I feel like I am coaching a really stubborn toddler to go poop on the potty. And it's like, come on, yay, you did you it. You can do it. Yeah, it's like a basic thing that everybody who works for the administration should be doing, which is admitting that what is happening is a danger to democracy and that people who are in a position of power to do something about it should do something about it or they're shirking their responsibilities to their country and to the world. Um, So when he does these little things like, oh, it's, you know what? 
seems a little bad. We're like, yeah, good job, John Bolton. I hate the condescending, like over the top, like fake cheer. It just, it's exhausting to me, but we have to do it. There's no but way. But also like the three, the, what the fuck was it? It was his, uh, oh, how he told everyone there he had had a resignation letter in his desk drawer for three months. See something, say something, bro. Like okay. this isn't just about you. Also, he has letters in his desk drawer and not candy. Like, what is wrong with you? Every single time I've he ever had a letters. desk, it has been, I know, every single time. I've, this is like an era. What is what is going on? It's an era of like letters and memos and notes taken in meetings. And it's like. Or also, if you're watching impeachment today, you see that the uh, wide employment of the WhatsApp. Uh, yeah. I mean, honestly, that just seems it seems very like. Europeans on a group vacation to me. <laughs> it's like it's Wally World. It's Wally World national policy. It's national yeah. security. Um, yeah, it's it, yeah. I can't. I cannot believe that I've been reduced to being like John Bolton. You're my only hope. You're like the Obi Wan of. It's so. Ugh. It makes me. It makes me feel actually sick. Um. You know what makes me feel sick? What? To know that he's probably going to fucking let us down. (laughs) Yeah, he probably is. And trees are going to die for his dumbass book. And I, I, like, trees are going to die for this, John. Like, fuck off. Just do the right thing and don't write a book and try to profit off it. Um, One of my favorite stories this week, and I thought about you when I first read it, because I know that you have talked about the vetting process before. Oh, yes. This is delish. Um, So another NBC News story from uh, Tuesday. Uh, There is a senior Trump administration official named Mina Chang, (laughs) who it turns out quote unquote, embellished her resume. So that's that's the headline. But the real juice is really, really funny. She not only embellished her resume, said she went to Harvard when really she just like went to a seven week course that is not a thing that you graduate from. You just have attended it. Um, She said that she spoke at the Democratic and Republican conventions when really she spoke at other events in the same cities around the same times that those things were happening. She also made up a fake Time magazine cover with her face on it. Now, here's we know who she learned that shit from. I know. No, it's sort of like every every corporation is sort of made in the image and likeness of its leader. Every government is the same deal. I wonder how many other Trump administration officials have fake time. I wonder if like a bunch of people yesterday were like, well, fuck, this isn't going to work anymore. And they went home and they crumpled up their fake time magazine covers. I wonder if they <laughs> if they called if they like tried to, to mock up like a Harper's. They're like, nobody's going to guess. Nobody's going to check. You know what? It. it was probably like the filter in the photo booth at the White House Christmas party. Oh, my God. God, that is extremely feasible, (laughs) extremely feasible. But the thing that was like really disturbing to me was like, first of all, all of this stuff was easily disprovable. It sounds like in all the reporting I heard on it yesterday, the the reporters sounded kind of exasperated that this wasn't caught before. Um, And this is actually an indicator of it, it would be easy for somebody to fake their way into really high levels of government. Mina Chang was in the State Department, and she was up for a job where she would have managed a billion-dollar budget before yep. her her uh, her nomination was withdrawn with no explanation in September. Uh, how easy would it be for somebody who is, as Tommy Vitor pointed out on Twitter yesterday, how how easy would it be for foreign intelligence to infiltrate the Trump administration? Uh, pretty fucking easy. But here's like a quick give on her resume. She addressed both the DNC and the RNC. Why would that ever be the case I don't in know. 2016? Why would that ever? If I saw that on someone's resume, I'd be like, tell me more. 
Like I would Google that shit in two seconds. Yeah. Because what it also, why is this, this person, by the way, who wants to have like this big, crazy job and was in the state department. And is like, why is she giving political speeches? She doesn't seem at all like a political person. So what the fuck would she have to say at these conventions? Uh-huh. Like, it's not a lot like embellishing. The other thing that's funny is like embellishes resume embellishes is saying, I know how to make things add up in an Excel spreadsheet. Okay. That's embellishing. Yeah. Embellishing is saying that I am like functionally conversational in Spanish and I'm, I'm not, I can read what it, but I can't she talk did was lie. Yeah. Wasn't an embellishment. It was a lie. Many lies, pages of lies. Mm-hmm. We need to have a an administration that just deals with the words that we use for things that aren't true because embellishment is totally different from fabrication. She fabric, she fabricated a resume. I think we need to crack down on people using thesauruses when it comes to lying because <laughs> they don't, all the words don't mean the same thing. Um, Alyssa, I was, the reason I thought about you for this story is that you went through some, some shit before you were getting vetted and like, because it was an intense process. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Getting vetted fucking sucks. Like it does. But if you want to work on behalf of the people of this country, you have to do it. Like the questionnaire, like this is what I don't understand. Like the job that she has isn't just like you hand your resume in and they say, great, come on board. Like there are tons of forms and she presumably, I can't see how she would have done her job without some form of security clearance. Like, I just don't know how any of this stuff would have past. Like to give everyone an example, when I was filling out my forms in 2000, late 2006, no, that's a lie. 2007, eight. Oh my God. 2008. (laughs) When we were filling them out, I had to prove that I, my dorm, so my dorm at the university of Wisconsin no longer exists. Right. Okay. I had to prove that I wasn't lying because when you put, looked up the address, nothing was there. And like the FBI agents were pressing me on it. And I was like, I can show you on Google earth, like where it used to be, but it's not there anymore. And it was like a fucking issue. Okay. It was an issue. The address of my dorm in 1997 wow. was an issue. So how did none of this make it. One of the kids who worked for me had remote family in South Korea and he couldn't find their street address. And that was an issue. So I just don't understand how in this world, none of these things were an issue because none of they're all you could, every single thing she put, you could prove was untrue. Right. <laughs> like without a lot of research. Right. Like why? It also I mean, seems like another thing, like you, you texted this to me last night, Alyssa, but the, she, she was kind of going around the world and like cosplaying being a humanitarian and it wasn't clear what she was doing like she just wasn't doing anything but you know what I think it stems from it seems pathological to me in a similar way that a pathology manifests among men of the Republican Party and the pathology I see in the men is that they all are acting like guys that they saw being gangsters in movies movies that they got the totally wrong idea from you know like watching Rudy Giuliani it's like you're trying to act like a guy from a movie who's supposed to be bad but you don't get that he's supposed to be bad Um, I think that the female analog of that is women who are trying to act like Princess Diana but in all the wrong ways 
Like, I'm going to, you know, they try to cosplay being like a princess, like an internationally beloved princess who shows up and does and like goes through the motions of doing advocacy. But really, all they really want to be is famous. They don't really actually care about the advocacy. Um, And it just seems like leave the landmines to the royals. Yes, exactly. Leave the leave all of this to people that are actually in a position uh, to promote change through visibility. But if you're not already famous, you can't use visibility to promote change. You're just trying to use change to promote your own visibility. And it's very irritating. Um, but let's talk about Rudy Giuliani real quick before we get to Tyson <laughs> Rose. Rudy Giuliani, you know, whenever I hear that man talk, I'm like, I would love to hear him talk more. His voice is incredible. I love how spit sounds going through teeth. <laughs> Rudy Giuliani wants to start an impeachment podcast. Alyssa, do you have any advice for him as a podcaster? I mean, I say go for broke, dude. <laughs> you think he should do it? I mean, I think it, it's, I think that, that like he will literally sink everything. Like, I can't believe that Donald Trump hasn't locked him in a closet and been like, yo, you got to stop. But like, he wants to have an impeachment podcast where what he goes blow by blow of what's going on and talks about how, what he really did. I mean, it's, it's fucking wild. Like more power to him, I guess. One of my, one thing I was thinking yesterday is that maybe we could try to jujitsu Rudy Giuliani's just unquenchable thirst for attention by somebody telling him that the best way for him to get the most possible attention on, on a lingering historical basis would be for him to actually testify against the president. Imagine, imagine how iconic that would be. Imagine Become how... Become America's mayor once again. Exactly. Exactly. Become the, the mayor of America again and then go to jail. And I don't want to see or hear from you ever again. Um, okay, let's get to toast and roast. Uh, I have one this week. Hit me. Okay, so I want to toast the University of Oregon Ducks women's basketball team. Go Ducks! Go Ducks. Uh, first of all, the Ducks are amazing this year. They have, I think, three obvious first rounders um, that are starting for them. They're ranked number one in the NCAA rankings, and they just beat Team USA, which is a team of professional women's basketball players. They beat them 93 to 86 on their home floor. Um, so, yes, the Ducks are awesome. This does not mean that Team USA sucks. I was reading about this, and I was like, should I be concerned about the Olympics? Um, apparently, <laughs> Team USA has a bunch of players that were out, but still, this is amazing that the Ducks were able to beat a team of pros. They're college students and it's fucking awesome um i also want to remind everybody that women's basketball can be really exciting and we're getting into the ncaa season right now and if you want to watch the oregon ducks play you can watch them play texas southern this weekend and they have a big game on november 24th they're playing syracuse which uh, is also a ranked team so that could be a fun one to watch although the ducks are pretty dominant and uh they're probably gonna win that one too (laughs) so toast go Ducks. Go Ducks. Lady Ducks. Lady. Do we have to call it Lady Ducks? I think we should start calling men's basketball teams Men Ducks. No, you can call them the Men Ducks. I just wanted to be clear that we were talking about the ladies. The Lady so Ducks. Lady sure. Ducks. Sure. The man, the man Ducks. Okay. Um, do you have a toast or roast? I have a toast. Okay, let's hear it. I'd like to toast People Magazine because they made John Legend their sexiest man alive. And one, John Legend is awesome. But also, I dream that this was People Magazine trolling Trump because he was trying to fuck with John and Christy and was like tweeting at them. And People Magazine was like, don't you dare. He's the sexiest man alive. 
So yeah. yay, people. Yeah. Chrissy Teigen has been really hilarious about this too. Like she's a great, she's always a great follow on Twitter, but she's been extra funny gloating about her husband being the sexiest man alive. I think she tweeted recently, the sexiest man alive just made me a ham sandwich and it was just perfect. <laughs> I love her. Also, John Legend, um, friend of the pod. He's been on Pod Save America before. Um, I had the pleasure of meeting him when we did a live show at the Dolby here in Los Angeles a couple years ago. And he was just great. He was exactly what you would hope for in a sexiest man alive or maybe a president. Cause I think so. He- con- right. So it's like, I like that they pick someone that we can really get behind. Yeah. Right. No more Blake Shelton. <laughs> no. Bye. Canceled. Not canceled. Just bye. <laughs> just, uh, just ignored. How about that? <laughs> Not okay. Canceled, ignored. Just ignored. Um, okay. Alyssa, thank you so much. And, uh, I, Next week, who knows what's going to be next week? All this stuff. Who is knows happen. what color the sky will be by next week? It's well, I hope it's not smoke gray like it is here in L.A. because it's it, the air is bad. But anyway, um, well, let's see what impeachment brings. And I'll, I'll talk to you in a week. Bye. Bye. This episode is brought to you by IQ Bar. Power up your life with superior brain and body nutrition products from IQ Bar. Their plant protein bars are the perfect low-carb breakfast. Their IQ Mix Zero Sugar Hydration Drinks replenish electrolytes. And their IQ Joe Mushroom Coffees will keep you focused all day long. Start each day right with IQ Bar's brain and body boosting bars, hydration mixes, and mushroom coffees. Their ultimate sampler pack includes all three. IQ Bar empowers doers with superior brain and body nutrition. All their products are entirely free from gluten, dairy, soy, GMOs, and artificial sweeteners. And today, Hysteria listeners get an exclusive offer of 20% off plus free shipping. Just text HYSTERIA to 64000. One thing I love about IQ Bar is, first of all, right now it's really dry where I am. Oh, okay. It is hard for me to stay hydrated. I just like, I'll just be going through my day and I'll be like, why am I so like... Parched. I'm parched. I'm in a bad mood. I feel like I'm going to pass out. And it's, ah, you got to drink some water. You got to stay hydrated. I really like their IQ Mix Zero Sugar Hydration Drinks because it allows me to rehydrate myself at a time yeah. when I feel like the atmosphere is trying to take all my moisture away. Well, and sometimes you need more than just water. Sometimes you need more more than just water. I also love IQ bars because I love a portable breakfast. I love a grab-and-go breakfast, no dishes. Love something I can walk around holding and eating. I like something I can eat in my car without endangering the lives of me and every other motorist on the road. A breakfast burrito, <laughs> not not the safest thing to eat behind the wheel. IQ bar, go ahead and do it. Good for you. Great ingredients. Helps you stay focused and alert throughout the day. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, and you don't have to dirty any dishes. Refuel smarter with IQ Bar's Ultimate Sampler Pack. That's seven IQ Bars, four IQ Mix sticks, and four IQ Joe sticks. And now our special podcast listeners get 20% off all IQ Bar products plus get free shipping. To get your 20% off, just text Hysteria to 64000. Get your discount. Text Hysteria to 64000. That's H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A to 64000. Message and data rates may apply. See terms for details. And welcome back. We've reached the part of the show where I introduce the wonderful women who are joining me for a discussion on a topic that is serious. Uh, First, I want to welcome actor and comedian 
Tian Tran. Oh, hello! That caught you off guard. Yeah, I wasn't ready to go first. Sorry. I'm G- here. Gotta keep you on your toes. Tian, Tian's here. I'm so excited you're here for this episode. Up next, you can see her on NBC's Sony Side. It is actor, comedian, and all-around construct, Kieran, <laughs> Kieran Deal. All-around bus face. All-around bus face. All Just around a bus generalized face. bus face. NBC Hulu. NBC Hulu. Oh, that's so exciting. The last time I spoke to you about Sunny Side, you were talking about a couture Taco Bell dress. Uh, is there anything exciting coming up? Oh, okay. So this week is... Um, it's a Thanksgiving episode, but it, uh, the thing I'm very excited about is a, it's an entire like South Asian family on television uh, with actors. Whoa. Um, yeah. So That's it's awesome. I mean, because Aziz had his parents play his parents. Well, hard to know that they were an actor. I, and I was like, and these people are actually very good oh, yes. actors. They can say words and lines and stuff. And they're really amazing. And it's uh, I'm, I'm not sure that it's a it's a South Asian family on television in a Thanksgiving episode. And it, it was very special to shoot and really, really cool to be. Oh, part that's of. awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. I'll check it out. That's exciting. It's now on the Hulu. That's so awesome. You can, at, you can look at the Hulu now. And last but not least, I want to welcome for the, I think, third time. Thank goodness we've gotten her three times. Crooked Media's own Priyanka Arabindi. Hello. Thank you so much for being here. I'm always excited to be here. Woo. Yay. This is a topic that is uh, serious for a lot of people. We're going to probably, I'm going to be doing a lot of childish giggling. I'm just going to go ahead and preface it. Probably same. Pro- because like. Oh, I for sure will. I, I grew up in a in a house where it's like we didn't talk about sex stuff at all. Like because of Catholicism and also like generalized Midwestern reticence about it. Um, and so this isn't necessarily going to be me talking about my own sex life, but just anything around sex sometimes makes me like giggle. And it's not because it's not serious and it's not, it's just because I'm an idiot. Um, (laughs) So the idea of virginity uh, is something that has been in the news lately because of T.I. Father of the year, T.I. T.I. had won a really good song called What You Know. And the, uh, (laughs) the chorus went, what you know about that. I know all about that. And apparently he wasn't talking about gynecology (laughs) because uh, having a hymen or not having a hymen is no indicator of having sex or not having had sex. And furthermore, the idea that a woman's value changes based on whether or not she's had sex is something that is massively problematic, but still present in our culture and in a lot of other cultures. So, Kieran, I want to start with you because... Um, and maybe a T.I. quote, another T.I. quote. Maybe, do you know any, do you want to I, I, uh, bring him out? Maybe he said dead and gone. He was, he has a song <laughs> called Dead and Gone. And I was like, oh, like your career <laughs> before this uh, quote, T.I.? Uh, it's, he's I on don't that like show you. Rhythm and Flow and I, from Netflix, on that Netflix show. I did watch that and show. And I did watch that show and I was entertained. And so... I feel like it gave me a window into like Tia, like a primer yeah. before this though. Because otherwise I would have just been like, okay, like I have no real idea. But I was like, oh, I get his vibe yeah. now, like saying mm-hmm. this. Because they took the podcast down. You can't like listen to the clip of it. But I'm like, oh, I can hear him and yeah. like see him kind of saying I can this. absolutely hear And the contrast this. and dichotomy between like the, for the the boy. Oh my know? God, it was crazy. Oh, He's like, yeah, I know my 15 year old son is... Having sex and I don't care. Yeah. T.I. says that he goes with his 18-year-old daughter to get an annual hymen check, which is the creepiest thing I've ever heard. I wouldn't even... so creepy. I wouldn't even let my dad go, like, 
with me t- down the tampon aisle. Like, it just, yeah. I, no. Says he goes with his daughter to get a, a hymen check. Um, he I, told the hosts on the podcast, Ladies Like Us, that uh, he wants her to sign away her medical privacy and he ignores the doctor's advice about not fixating on the hymen. Uh, he says, look, doc, she don't ride no horses. She don't ride no bike. She don't play no sports. Just check the hymen, please, and give me back my re- my results expeditiously. I'm glad. When I first heard this story, I was like, what gynecologist is allowing this to happen? And I'm glad that there's at least a little context that the doctor is like, yeah, you're this being ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I'm glad that that is that that is part of this story, because I when I first saw the headline, I was like, this doctor needs to like, be fired. <laughs> and fired de- this and doctor. De- debarred? No. What's the word? Dis- disbarred is, is for lawyers. lawyers. Right. But he, that for doctors. For that for doctors. He should be de-doctored. Yeah. Uh, one, th- one thing I want to get into, though, is like T.I., there was a, you know, rightfully a firestorm after he said this. People were like, A, gross. B, virginity is a construct. C, gross. D, you're a bad dad. Um, but he's not an outlier in any way. There are a lot of men who have really patriarchal ideas about stewarding their daughter's vaginas. Uh, and which women. Is, yeah, and women too. And and it's something that still affects us a lot. I was, I was thinking about, so I was in high school around Y2K and the pop stars of our era had their virginity like relentlessly policed. And reading about the T.I. story this week reminded me of when I was like in high school and Britney Spears was like a big deal. And she was always talking about like, you know, people were always talking about the fact that she was a virgin in a way that was really creepy. Jessica Simpson was talking about like losing her virginity to Nick Lachey. And it was all so creepy. And I just, I want to get to the bottom of like why this is something that we're still talking about. Priyanka, do you have any theories about why we're still on this? I mean, I have no idea actually why, because like the more I think about it, the more I read about it, I was just like, this is so insane. Like it seems like we make it like such a big deal in like, I mean, for our pop stars in our like coming of age movies Mm -hmm. and books and all of it, like we kind of like make it this huge thing. And then I mean, like you said, like a hymen breaking is no like there's no physical change. There's no like you don't wake up the next morning and like the grass is greener. Like there's literally nothing that's different. (laughs) It's so weird. I mean, and and yet, you know, we were you were talking about some of the articles. There's something called a two finger test that people are still doing. This was so crazy to me. Reading this article, I knew like virginity, like abroad around the world in other cultures that was a thing that happened. It's abhorrent. It's bad. But I didn't realize like here that gynecologists, there was a, like, I think a survey that was done. And yeah, in 2016, a survey of like 288 doctors, 10% responded that they had been asked by a parent or family member to perform the two finger tests on a patient, basically to check if a hymen was still there to determine if this person may or may not be a virgin because that's not like a legitimate indicator. And 34% said they had performed it themselves. Like people are asking, I didn't realize the extent to which this was happening around me. And maybe that is like my own ignorance, but like this is very pervasive apparently. And I guess there are a lot of false ideas about like what virginity, quote unquote, actually is or is not and it seems like such a violation too like it's like a it's a it's another example of your body or it's an extreme example of your body really not being your own the idea that somebody else can ask somebody to 
check on something inside of your body on behalf of their beliefs. Yeah, this T.I. story to me was like, I mean, cringy because like, you know, the kind of like the kind of masculinity that T.I. is displaying is like this controlling, really disgusting kind. But like also like his daughter, you're like, oh, my God, she's like an 18 year old girl. This huge story blows up. Everyone's talking about like her, her sex life, her hymen, um, her crazy dad. Like, (laughs) it's like, God, I feel terrible for her. It's like, what a violation. And then she, I saw a story like a couple days ago that she like had unfollowed her whole family and like whatever. It's like, of course, like she doesn't want to be like that. How horrifying. But you get, I get why like virginity is a big, I I mean, even just as a rite of passage as an adult. I mean, kids get excited when they like lose their teeth and the tooth fairy's (laughs) fucking coming. It's like obviously the first time you're going to be intimate with a person. Like it's a massive rite of passage. Mm -hmm. But there's a difference between something being, you know, kind of a personal rite of passage. What does that mean in terms of like the social landscape of being a high schooler or a college student? Like where do you fit into that, right? It's like, like I was in a movie, I think I was telling Aaron, I was telling you, I was in a movie, one of the first like tiny little independent films that I did, which was by an Indian American um, filmmaker that uh, that won like the Nora Ephron Prize at, at Tribeca, which means it was like well received, was about, it was called Farrah Goes Bang. And it was kind of like this tongue in cheek satire about a 25 year old girl who was, who hadn't lost her virginity yet. And like, and that is like, I don't, I don't think that it's such an interesting thing that, that, um, that you know, other people get to have opinions about um, about a woman's virginity. And there's a lot that's placed on the woman. But I think even for the individual, the young person, Mm -hmm. you know, losing your virginity, like when you're intimate with somebody, these are like massive questions you face in puberty and, you know, all that shit that I'm still facing. I think on like a social level for virginity, it's it's pushed on women so hard. And in a way that it's like, I think I think it's just a control thing. I think it's just to remind you that your body as a woman, as it like a, as a, is, is, is specifically like designed for like having sex and like giving birth. Like you're just a body. Like, I think it's just a reminder that you're like a piece of meat. You're a baby factory. And yeah. That's it. Just in, in the, in the way that people say things like save yourself until marriage and like all the purity things and the purity ball, purity ring. It, I think it's a control thing mm-hmm. just to put women in their place in this grand scheme of the patriarchy. Right. And there's also the double standard that's when it comes totally. to men. Like yeah. men are shamed for being virgins. Women are shamed for not being virgins. Mm-hmm. But who are all these men supposed to be having sex with one very tired sex worker? Like that is extremely <laughs> unfair to her. She needs a vacation. Um, but, you know, Another thing is that I've seen women both shamed for being virgins and for not being Mm -hmm. virgins. And like there's so much like public comment attached to people, to women's sexuality specifically, but also to men's to it to a different degree. Um, Tina Fey, we were saying Tina Fey had that thing about like she was like, I was 27. I couldn't give it away. Like she was on a late night show being like, I couldn't give it away. Mm -hmm. And that being this idea that there's like an ideal age or an ideal way to lose your virginity or it's supposed to be a thing or there's all those coming of age high school movies, you know, like, you know, when... I don't know. American or, Pie. Or it's I don't. supposed to be very like penis and vagina. Like that's the that's only, it. That's the only way. Yeah. I mean, in the queer community, virginity has to be a totally different thing if it's even discussed at all. Do you? I mean, and I'm completely ignorant yeah, of it. So I, I mean, I just like I I I think it was more the like the rite of passage of it was more important to me. Like finally being intimate with a woman was just like I never 
I, we never talked about it being like, oh my God, you lost your virginity, but more just like, oh my God, it's happening. You know, like, <laughs> so excited. Right. Um, just to qualify, Tian was this excited about her own pants this morning. Too. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, I'm very excitable. Um, so, so you're like, like, they're great they're pants. They're great pants. <laughs> they're great pants. Well, you, two they of you are, commented on it. They are good pants. Aaron didn't say anything until <laughs> just now. <laughs> so... I see where you stand there. Um, but yeah, I think I, I, my whole thing was that I grew up in with like I went to school at a Catholic. I went to a Catholic school and really, really, really believed in waiting till marriage for the longest time. I think I've said it on this podcast before that like the my parents never talked about sex with me. And the only time they ever did was when my mom, while we're watching TV, unprompted, turns to me and goes, I only knew your father. <laughs> and then continued watching TV. Oh, I've heard this story. I, yes. this I know this story. about. Yes. Yeah. And I love like, this story. And then your sister was on that show with the ghost. Yeah. But that's not how she lost her virginity. That's not how she lost because her Because virginity's a construct. Yeah. <laughs> Kieran's Beach. ghost writing my life right now. <laughs> but like, that's the only, like, that's the only idea I had of virginity. And then when I started realizing that I might be gay and that I was gay, I just started kind of pushing away all those like heteronormative ideals. It mm -hmm. like just didn't apply to me personally. I know other folks uh, in the queer community might have or let use that language of like using losing their virginity. But uh, amongst my friends and I, we never really talked about it that way because like we already lost this huge construct of what heteronormative virginity was already like. So there was no reason to kind of map it on to like our sex life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember being, I mean, that sounds very freeing. Um, yeah. Because in, I think in, in the, in the hetero world, uh, <laughs> it, it is so fraught. And I went to a Catholic university um, and it was like weirdly, like I remember being a freshman and, and among other classmates, um, the women's dorms were referred to as virgin vaults. Uh, because just uh, just not like not like we're going to go raise but it was just like a kind of offhanded comment about the fact that most of the girls who were freshmen at Notre Dame were not sexually active and part of it was because of their religious upbringing i i da i dated two catholics i dated two catholics and they both had a, a lot of shame about sex like they just had a lot of there's just a lot of shame which i thought yeah. was very interesting I, I don't have i mean i i've like catholicism is not something that i currently practice um i'm very out of practice like tell I, us about I, your shame i, I go to uh, no i go to when i go to when i go to church i'm like oh yeah they changed the words of the prayers we're supposed to like mindlessly repeat and i always am like saying the wrong thing and so i just shut up during mass the one time a year i go um but you know i think that there is a lot of shame around pleasure for women. And uh, so like women who are, um, and this is maybe a bigger topic than we're going to be able to get to today, but like sexual pleasure is something that women are supposed to be ashamed of. Pleasure in eating food is something that mm -hmm. women are supposed to be ashamed of. Pleasure, being happy with themselves is something that women are supposed to be ashamed of. Like, <clears throat> is it everyone? Is it women and men? Or is it just the women? No, I think it's just the women. Like I, there's, there's like... Like vanity is something that's shamed in women mm -hmm. and and vanity is obviously not a great personal trait, but there's a lot of things that are grouped in under the vanity umbrella. And um, I think like sexual pleasure and, and self-indulgence are considered things that like women we're not supposed to like because we're supposed to be for other people. Like Tien was saying, like yeah. we're not supposed to exist 
for ourselves. We're supposed to exist to serve other people, to give pleasure to other people. Yeah, all of it like this. And then the kind of divide we're talking about, like, you're supposed to be a virgin and then you're supposed to not. Like, it's this weird, like, the whole standard is kind of just so like you're not allowed to be happy or exist or like do any like it's or the virgin whore paradox. Yeah, yeah. it's like the virgin whore thing. Oh, it's like when you were talking about like Britney Spears, it's like with the promise ring and like all that stuff. It's like but like but then you're like on a stripper pole or you're like in this like, t- you know what I mean? You're in these like t- tiny short short. You're you're so hypersexualized is my point. Mm-hmm. Like the nudity doesn't seem to belong to you. It's like this pure like that puritanical like look at it, but don't look at it. But no nipple. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's a lot of that. But as with well. those teen pop stars, it's like it's so publicly hypersexualized, but they still had to keep this narrative that they were virgins, so that it's like, like internally, yeah. there's like so much pressure it's for so a child much, so in like hard. a, in a like like public sexy, life. But sexy, but not sexual. Yeah. Like you have to be someone who appears f- like forever sexually available to everybody watching, but not sexually taken by anybody. It sort of reminds me of I was listening to a podcast about uh, K-pop stars and k-pop stars used to be uh i don't know if it's still this way because i don't listen to k-pop um but k-pop stars used to be like really closely policed like they Mm -hmm. couldn't even have a boyfriend or girlfriend in public and if it if it appeared that they even had a boyfriend or girlfriend then the fans would get mad um it seems like a sort of public property type thing if you're if you're someone visible then you need to be available to everybody who's looking at you which is mega fucked up so what do you guys think about just in general, male stewardship of female purity. Like, is that something that you see culturally in other places besides America? And how does that look? Are you saying things like father-daughter dances and like purity balls and that that sort of thing? Yeah, yeah. And like the, even the idea, even, even, like the, <laughs> even the like thing where the dad's like, well, I'm going to be sitting on the porch with a yeah. shotgun. Yeah. Gross, gross. My, my one of my cousins just gave uh, um had he didn't yeah they have a baby girl, and the first like one of the first pictures that he posted on Instagram the caption was like gonna keep her locked up until she's eighteen and I'm like that is so fucking creepy that you've already sexualized your newborn baby yeah. in this like bizarro policing of her sexuality I own and this she kid. just was she was just born yeah. And then I the don't de- talk to him very much. And then, the devil, <laughs> and then the devil's advocate to this, but the devil's advocate to this is this the safety, the size differential and the safety of a, of a woman. Because the other thing mm-hmm. we've talked about a lot on this podcast is sexual violence towards women, like the size differential when you're behind closed doors with somebody who's bigger than you, mm-hmm. you know, and the and the fear, I think, that yeah. comes with that. I think that that is, that is very real, but that's different than an ownership yeah. of the body and what that of what that looks like. I mean, I think that that is, I think that's such a really, such a good point, Kieran. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I think that... Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Oh. I think the root of the like... Did you hear that, dear listener? <laughs> I adore every single person on this podcast. You guys know that. I'm really bad at faking that I like people. <laughs> so bad at it. Um, but I think that, that that's absolutely true, that there is like danger in the world. But I also think that... Um, that's a generous read on what I interpret as men telling on themselves. Like mm-hmm. when a when a man is like, I'm going to, you know, no man's going to be alone with my daughter. It's like, what have you done? And that's the bigger, I mean, that I think that's something that I find quite triggering and angering is like this idea of like, again, it comes back to the virgin whore thing. It's like a, 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 a woman is either your, your mom or your sister or someone to be respected in your family, or it's a woman I want to fuck. 
Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's how you, when you're, when you oh, fuck women. That's the, that's the, that's like the Hulk. I, I, <laughs> the Hulk. that's the Hulk. The that's fuck, what everyone does when they want to have um, sexual relations with women. No. I always thought that, I always thought that the Hulk, I always thought that the Hulk was like analogous to an erect penis. Like it gets around and yeah, yeah, yeah. big. And then it's like, and, and, and it especially because Mark, and Mark Ruffalo is so like, move, move, sorry guys. And then he's like, and then he just like explodes. Yeah, I like his hull. Tapioca pudding everywhere. <laughs> All right. Um, I love what you said about like men telling on themselves. It's it's so true. It's like when women are like, <laughs> men are trash, and they're like, no, we're not. And then they have daughters, and they're like, be careful of men. Like, yeah. <laughs> As like, the yeah. father of daughters, yeah. like, oh, yeah. And that's the thing. At at Harvard, I just wanted to say at Harvard. Mm. Oh um, my God. I'm going to add it to so the tally. Much. Thank you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but let's add your pants to the tally. Get <laughs> pants tally. All right. But there was, no, that Wellesley, Wellesley had a thing called the fuck truck. It was, uh, it, do you guys know about this? What? No. Oh yeah, this was a thing. This it wasn't was, in the reading. Tell me more. Oh, yeah, no, it was a, it was oh, it a was shuttle a, that went back and forth. There was a shuttle that went back and forth from Wellesley, and it was referred to by undergraduates as the fuck truck that included, you know, young women from Wellesley who would come in and they were like trying to quote unquote trap or get with dudes from Harvard. And like they would come in to go to final clubs and like party for the weekend. But it's very much this idea of like, Oh, you, you know what I like? I mean, we had again, that at Notre Dame too. I'm nodding with recognition. St. Mary's was across the lake, and we had the sluttle. When you and you were just saying that you, the virgin. Okay, these are funny names. <laughs> <laughs> the fuck truck and, and the, the sluttle. Sluttle, sluttle is. I mean, the wordplay. The pun is I mean, fun. Sluttle but, sounds like a Pokemon, but I'm I, <laughs> <laughs> I, like Squirtle turns into sluttle. Okay, that's a very inside joke. No one Pokemon. Okay, <laughs> but just you know, this idea of you know like who's desirable why they're desirable like it it all I, I i remember always thinking i was like that's that's pretty uh that's pretty fucked up like yeah. that you know just a truck full of women oh we're trying to you know that's a it's a fucked up thing um because it's like what if they are coming over to harvard to have sex with harvard guys who cares like they're just gonna have a lot of bad sex yeah <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know a lot of bad oh, sad man shame driven sex uh, yeah and people who are like am I gonna go do my algorithm all right <laughs> um, I mean I've seen like uh, I've had friends of friends who've like have gotten it that when the married couples and the husband still polices like what the woman wears have like Ooh. in in ways of like having her not be so um, sexual when she's out or like wearing certain clothes. It's like it doesn't end once they've already been married and have slept with this person that there's still this like air of like making sure that their wife looks virginal. Am I the only one that has like I don't have an any extension? Oh, I, like that. I don't have any friends personally. But I don't like, really interact with married people, but I feel friends. like that's probably a thing. <laughs> <laughs> but like friends of friends, like who have told me stories about like this husband being like, oh yeah, he's very hard on his wife and what she wears. Oh my god, like, sucks, but I don't like, find it that surprising. No, yeah, and it's no. like doubly like shitty that I don't. We have a lot of parents who listen to this show. A lot of people who have, uh, and a lot Parenting. of people who have nieces and nephews. Like not, none of us are parents, but a lot of us have nieces and nephews, or mm -hmm. you know, friends who have kids and stuff. And we were all little girls at one point. So, um, what? messages did you get about virginity as a girl that you found to be very 
either helpful for you growing up and being well-adjusted or something that you had to overcome? So this is something I would actually really like to share is that my mother, like she got this, um, I must have mentioned sex or something when I was like seven or eight, like when I was in like second grade. And I don't think that my mom had... She was never told about like having her period or like all of that stuff was kind of like much more TN vibes. You know, I've only been with your father. Kind of vibes. <laughs> very, very 18, very Jane Austen. My era. mom's going to love that she's known for that. Yeah. <laughs> when I meet her, I'm going to be like, only, she also, only been with your father. <laughs> she also doesn't like slamming doors. Yeah, and, she that, and that's the hill she'll die on. <laughs> um, so. But um, so I think my mom wanted to like course correct on that. So when I was like, I want to say I was like I was like in, I want to say second grade. I was like, uh, she got a book on like puberty and like we read it together. And so I felt like very, I remember it being like a little weird, like, but also you're so young at that point and you still really look up to your parents and every, you know, you're not like developing your prefrontal cortex asshole, like vibes of being a teenager. And I was like, I look back on that and I was very grateful that, you know, I got to learn about the human body and anatomy in a way that was like from a parent or somebody trusted mm -hmm. um, and in a way that was like pretty scientific and like really understanding what puberty looks like and what's going to happen to you and what sex is. And I remember thinking it was insane that people who didn't know each other would have sex mm. with each other on their on their wedding night. I was like, this is I, I have a very distinct memory of being like, wait, what? So you meet a stranger and then you have sex on that evening. Oh, you're talking about like an arranged if marriage. If it's an arranged marriage. But even if it's like, even this idea of like, you know what I mean? I was like, so you get to know someone for a year or two and then maybe you'd have sex with them. I was like, but you just have sex with them straight away. I was like, that's crazy talk. <laughs> what, if you wouldn't do that with a friend or somebody that you know, that was like, that's, cr I remember thinking, I was like, this is nuts. <laughs> who, came up with, who came up with this system? Like being like eight and being like, this is nuts. Yeah, Priyanka, like, well, what, yeah. what messaging did you hear that was like helpful or hurtful to you? I feel like messaging wise, I don't know. I mean, I feel like there was not a lot of sex talk in my house. I feel like a lot of it. I mean, I had a book. There was a book, but it was like, here's a book. Read. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. Do this yourself. And then, of course, I went to school in the Midwest, but it was like a public school. We had like, quote unquote, sex ed. It was not like abstinence only education. So you like kind of learned like, here are parts. I'm like, this is what happens, whatever. Um, but the TI stuff really did make me think about parenting and like that was like one of the immediate thoughts and like I'm not a parent I have no experience I should not like don't take my advice as like an expert but like, <laughs> like I've never seen a child never interacted <laughs> with a child when I see them I push them and run away exactly yeah. but like it made me think about like the point of having kids and like TIs it's like you in the way that they interacted it's like that kid is probably afraid to go to you with anything. Yeah. And like, you, pro you probably don't have this like open communication because like the way your relationship is set up, like if you're going to like bulldoze through any privacy or like medical expert, like, I don't know. It seems like you want to set up an open, honest, like channel of communication to like talk to your kid, to make them feel comfortable to come to you mm -hmm. when they have questions, like have a conversation like Karen's parents did where it's like, cool like Kieran's mother Kieran's mom just mom <laughs> not dad <laughs> Kieran's mother did Kieran's just mother mom. did yeah. Tian did you learn anything helpful or destructive as a kid I mean my parents we we never really talked about sex and I have three other sisters and we don't even talk about sex with each other really He's so crazy so I'm the only person at this table who had an early yeah, sex talk with yeah. a parent and mm. I really think add that to the tally well that's really crazy that's 
wild. I, you know, and then, oh, this, you'll find this funny and I'm, I don't mean to interrupt you, but no, when no, I, I went to, and then there was a party, it was like a boy girl party when we were still in elementary school, cause you're going to love this. And it was like, and I think it was like, and then they played spin the bottle at that party. Not sure my mom knows this, but they played spin the <laughs> bottle at that party. And then I was like reading like Judy Bloom books. And I was like, oh, and then we could do this and this. And one girl was like, oh, Karen, she like reads books. They called me Karen. In Florida. And, I was like, <laughs> and it was like, oh, Karen knows stuff about this too. And I was like, the knowledgeable one <laughs> with no experience whatsoever because it was like I was like well you can learn a lot from books and it was like the more you read <laughs> anyway it was very funny uh, so I can see oh I can God. see that happening yeah <laughs> I I think it's all about like I had to, I I remember checking out a book that was all about sex uh my June like freshman or junior year and I remember like hiding it from my parent, like from my parents, um, because there was one section about LGBTQ youth. I remember reading that and just being like, oh, this is a thing that can happen. But <laughs> they're going to know. They're going to know from this book that I've earmarked one page. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, I think just like when you're when your children ask questions, just be honest with them. Like, I feel like if I had just known more or had like had someone talk to like if the schools actually had thoughtful discussions about sex and sex education when I got it more in like high school and college I would have had such a better idea and I think just a better skill set and knowledge base to like make judgments based on but we were all I was flying in blind and I had no idea mm-hmm, and I totally. think that was the scariest part about it that I was making decisions based on like hearsay or from hearsay your parents or from my friends from or from parents friends and or like just, or, or just like from yeah, it'll yeah. be like the internet now or whatever it is. That's, yeah, that's a hard, that's a hard one. It makes me think like, you have time if you're a parent or like an aunt, uncle, whatever person who is close to a child to prepare for this conversation and not be awkward. Like, I yeah. think if you enter the conversation in a way that shows that like you're uncomfortable, like that's a way, maybe not always, but like to make whatever child you're talking to like then feel like this is like a shameful bad like uncomfortable topic that they like don't want to interact about like I think maybe projecting an attitude that like this is an okay thing yeah to inquire about is also important to Mm -hmm. like make them feel comfortable I'm really surprised that there isn't more content about or more open content about this idea of like sexuality as a part of self-actualization as a part of like your spirituality as a part of your growth as a person like you know there's so much like self-help stuff and like sexuality is like kind of left out of that entirely as like part of a robust person or human being Mm -hmm. there's a very different incorporation into what what that part of a person is and how you experience it Mm -hmm. the standard model of you know, PNV, yeah. virginity as a moment where you become a woman or become a man or become a whore or whatever it is that people are applying to you because you had sex. I think that once the sooner we free ourselves from those definitions, the less fucked up we all are totally, going to be totally. by this. Like we're, we're TI is not going to be wasting time going to the gynecologist. Uh, <laughs> Putting sticky notes <laughs> on his daughter's door. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody's going to be gynecologists are not going to have to waste their time explaining to parents that hymens go away for all kinds of reasons and it has nothing to do with sex. People, it just feels like we will save so much time and we'll have time to do other things like 
you know, read books or read go, a on, book. yeah. go on I t- <laughs> go on a walk. When you, when you asked me about virginity in the queer community, I totally forgot about this whole notion of gold star lesbians. Do you remember? Do you know what that term is? No. It's so fucked up. It's gold star lesbians are lesbians who have never had sex with men, it, like cis men. And so they've never had P in the V. But like when I, when I first came out, I remember that that was held to such a like, you're special lesbian. So you're never, like a bad lesbian if you if you have? had. Yeah. Well, not bad, but it's like. But you're, you're not gold star. You're not a gold star. No. And I remember like <laughs> oh my God. hearing that and I was like, wait a minute. This is so fucked up. Yeah. Like the idea of slightly the, 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 tainted. Yes. The idea of like idea a slightly tainted. It's it's that's it's, like, so I made us look like Zach's <laughs> idea. It's like you're tainted in some yeah, way. Tainted. It's just such a the like taint. The taint. The taint. Can you call this episode <laughs> the, the taint? taint? No. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> please. You know what? Please, this is Evan, this, please. This is like the fifth episode in a row where on the mic, most of it it hasn't been like in the show because we're. But there's always been taint conversations. <laughs> <laughs> like I feel like we need to have a special little segment of the show called Grundle Time where we. <laughs> that's hilarious. It's just between two things. Not oh it doesn't can't really do anything with it. Okay. It's an, the isthmus of Panama. <laughs> the grundle of the show. Um, okay, this was a great conversation, ladies. I'm so glad you're here to talk about it with me. Uh, we have to take a break though. And when we come back, it's the hills we'll die on. Guys, it's been a rough year going to get rougher and you deserve a little treat for not going insane yet you could head to the local tiki bar and tell the bartender do your worst but we have a better idea for you which is pick out something from the crooked store the store is stocked with tons of new merch it's perfect for the spring and classics like the friend of the pod tees that you'll be wearing long after the next administration or the next fascist dictatorship depending on how things go pick up a new tee for the warm weather ahead a mug that'll remind you to stay involved this election year or a hat celebrating your favorite pod go to crooked.com store to shop Hey, Hysteria listeners, it's almost Christmas, at least according to Lifetime and Hallmark's extremely thirsty marketing for this year's crop of deliciously bad holiday fare because we were so inspired by the forthcoming Vanessa Hudgens film, The Night Before Christmas. Alyssa, that's night with a K. With a K. And because we so desperately need to pre-record an episode that will allow us to take a week off to let our families know we're still alive, we're going to celebrate with the first annual Hysteria Bad Movie Pitches Contest. Alyssa, tell them the rules of our holiday, bad holiday pitch contest. Okay, here are the rules. The tone is Lifetime or Hallmark. You have to come up with the title before you come up with the actual plot of the movie. The title has to be based on a lyric from a Christmas holiday song, a line from a Christmas holiday poem, or a common holiday saying, puns are welcome. Oh, good. I mean, what would we do? We couldn't have the contest if they weren't because then you couldn't participate. Right. Exactly. Um, your deliberately bad Lifetime or Hallmark holiday movie synopsis should top out at about a paragraph. If you'd like, you can imagine who would play the leads to paint a more vivid portrait of how ho ho horrible yet irresistible your film would be. <laughs> Submissions can be sent to hysteria at crooked.com. Please use the subject line bad holiday movie pitch so we can find yours and make sure it gets read. 
The deadline to participate is Friday, December 13th. That's right, Friday the 13th, (laughs) because we... Spooky and our favorites will be read on our holiday episode airing on Christmas Eve. Um, we will enlist some elves at Crooked Media. Let's be honest, that's probably me and you, Alyssa. Uh, it's Caroline and Juliet, and maybe we'll have Pundit weigh in to pick the winners, which your lovely Hysteria co-host will attempt to read without laughing on a very special listener-heavy holiday episode of Hysteria. If you're good, Santa might just send our favorites a little something-something, not coal. So never call, never call. So send us your bad pitches at uh, hysteria at cricket.com. And we cannot wait to read them. Ho, ho, horrible. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome back. We've gotten to the part of the show where we take really strong stances on things that don't really matter that much. It's the hills that we'll die on. Let's get started with a listener hill. My hill is about escalator etiquette. If you think that it's okay to stand in the middle of a stair on an escalator and not move, or you and your buddy just stand side by side when there are people <laughs> behind you, you're a garbage person. <gasps> Everyone's mind. nodding. Yep. Yeah, yeah, the right yeah. lane is for people who are standing, and the left lane are Hell people yeah. who have somewhere to fucking be. I don't care if you have a kid, <laughs> put your kid in front of you. There's no fucking excuse. Escalators are not elevators. Oh, I love this. I love this hill. I love this. Do you think this woman curses regularly or were those F-bombs that she's like throwing out? I think she, I think that she's usually saying the F-bombs under her breath. Yeah. Yes. Like she's walking here. She was allowed to. to And I love that for her and for us. I love that for her, for sure. You know, I feel the same way about escalators. Um, I do too. Some of us like, some of them, some of us like to walk up them. Yeah. And you it's feel, good exercise or or you have or you're in a rush yes, yeah. for a meeting or whatever. And it's yeah. like there should be. And then somebody else is like, oh, boom, boom. yeah, even more so those rules on the like moving walkways. Oh, yeah. At, At airports. airports. Anyone people who's are I, in a hurry. People are in a hurry and don't stand on the left. It makes me so mad. Or the whole like sometimes there's like a gaggle, like a family gaggle. Yeah. And they're all just like get your family in line. Yeah. Take a lesson from the from the ducks and the geese. Yeah. Get them to walk in a line behind you. <laughs> Get them We're not rub. migrating. This isn't V time. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of a flock are you, messy ass? That's what I'll say on the moving walkways. I'll just if they're all scattered, I'll be like, messy ass ducks. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell are you doing? Oh man! Because it's, it's like, is she insulting? Us? She's so confused. Um, she called us ducks, and that we're messy. <laughs> I don't get I it. I don't get it. What she do definitely, you... they'd be like, she's not talking about us. Yeah, there has to be a duck in here. There's got to be some ducks in the building. <laughs> we'll workshop that one. I know. Um, oh, I like it. No, I'm just gonna. Yeah, I'm going right. I'm not going to workshop that. <laughs> I've got a I've got a hill to die on this week. Um, this is a little bit of a deep cut from the Laurel Ingalls Wild or Laura Ingalls Wilder uh, library. When I was a kid, did you guys read Laura Ingalls Wilder? Yes. Okay. So there's one of the books is called in the on the banks of Plum Creek. I think it's like the third or the fourth book in the series. And in that book, she and her family live in a dugout house, like a house that is dug out from the side of a hill. And I had a oh, realization. A dream. I had a which I thought it sounded so cozy, like oh. like being Winnie the Pooh or like a, you know, like a cart- <laughs> like a Richard Scarry character that drives a carrot car or whatever. Um, but I realized this week she just lived in a fucking cave. <laughs> it's not cozy. Caves are cold and wet. And I bet it was very uncomfortable. And all of my notions as a child of like, God, I'm going to live in a dugout someday. It was like, oh, no, that's a dirt hole. She lived in a dirt <laughs> Hole. That's horrible. That's horrible. No wonder she grew up to be kind of a jerk. 
Laura Ingalls Wilder. Read about it. Wikipedia. Okay, she, wow. She, yeah, I know uh, nothing. She grew about up her. in a hole. She no, one of the houses. She grew up. <laughs> she grew up as a kind of transient pioneer, and she was in Wisconsin, and then she was in Iowa. She was in South Dakota. She was in Minnesota. Her family moved around a lot, and very at one cute point, book covers. Yes, very cute book covers. And at one point, she lived in a hole. I'd be mean. I'd be mean if I lived in a hole. Yeah, I'm mean, I and it would I don't be live so in a romantic. hole. romantic. <laughs> I've always wanted to like live in the like side of a mountain. You wanted to be a hobbit? Yeah. Or a dwarf? Or a dwarf. Yeah. There's no those. natural light. Okay. You're bringing up really good points. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I wouldn't like it. Yeah. I, I just yeah. don't. I, okay. I, never mind. The hill I'll die on this week is it wasn't cozy at all. And I was wrong. I've been wrong all these years and I'm big enough to admit it. Wow. Yeah. I like that hill. Thank you. Uh, Kieran, you, want, you don't want to live in a hill. No. You don't want to live in a hill. <laughs> Kieran, do you want to go next? I will. Um, okay. Um, Sorry. when I'm ill, I want hard drugs, not oil <laughs> of oregano. I'm not, I mean, cocaine, medicine, cocaine and meth. Um, <laughs> no, I want like, I don't want an oil of oregano or a crystal or a lemon or an elderberry <laughs> syrup. I don't want an elderberry syrup. I don't want something that's all natural. I want something that's going to murder everything in my body. I want... This tracks with Kieran. I want Western medicine. I want Western medicine, like traditional doctor hospital vibe medicine. I want bloodletting, leeches. (laughs) No, that's old school. Oh, okay. I want like, I want like an antiseptic. I want something that's going to numb me. She wants a Z-pack. Yeah. Yeah. You want to get just like laid out flat by some drugs and then popped back because they've taken everything out of your body. Correct. Is that bad though with antibiotics? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like, yeah. Aren't we like, it, it gets rid of good and bad. Sure. No, no, really, aren't we like, isn't that a super bug thing? Yeah. yeah. But yeah. sometimes there'll be people, sometimes there'll be people I know who are like, no, I have a headache, but I'm not going to take Advil. And I'm like, then shut the fuck up. <laughs> See, I'm like that. I forget that Advil is a thing, but like when I'm like sick, sick, no, I'm like, yeah. Wanna, oh, I pop, I don't take pop it. No, I all those. I forget that it exists. Ugh. And then I'm like, oh, duh. Advil. Yeah. yeah. Advil's, Advil's great. Yeah. yeah. Dan, do you want to go next? Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, um, you know, I, I was looking for a restaurant recently on Yelp, and I will just have to say the hill that I would die on is I need everyone to stop using orgasmic to describe food. I don't like it. I can't stand it. It's not funny. You Yelp users saying that, like, the food was so good it was orgasmic is not funny to me. No food has ever made me come, And <laughs> it's true. But those no, pants. <laughs> no bite of food has ever made me climax. So I just want everyone to stop using that word to describe a food experience. People yeah. need new words. People need new words. People stop, need to stop using mouth words for the genitals and yeah. genital words for the mouth. Like, you can't call somebody, like, when someone is, like, they're tasty or you look like a snack. I find that. <laughs> don't switch them. Uh, you want to keep. You, different you holes. Keep, yeah, different holes. Delicious different words. is for food. Orgasmic yeah. is for people. Yeah, 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 but yeah. What about delicious people and orgasmic food? Well, I mean, for cannibals, fine. cannibals who like to jerk off with carrots, <laughs> fine. <laughs> <laughs> that then that applies, I guess. Okay, yeah, um, that's, that's my hill. I respect it. Yeah, I'm a Puritan about my Yelp reviews. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Priyanka, do you want to bring us home? Yeah, I think Kieran inspired me to um, get the people mad. Okay, <laughs> I think well, I had two hills, and then I, this I think is a little more of a 
antagonistic one. <laughs> I think when you are out to eat at a restaurant, I'm not talking fast casual or like a Chipotle or whatever, I think guacamole is the dumbest possible order. <laughs> Everyone has fucking had it. It is a crowd. Play- You're usually ordering it at like a place where you don't like if I'm at a dinner and I don't know everybody that well. It's like, OK, like a bunch of people. It's like fine. It's an easy order. It's like no one's going to be upset by it. It's so inoffensive. But like live a little. Try something different. Everyone's had a fucking guacamole. It's not going to be the best guacamole of your life. Try something new. That's my hill. So what? Agreed. You you sounds like you're referring to a very specific dinner and you wanted... No, no, no. no. What are you looking at? A stuffed mushroom? A mozzarella stick? What are you trying to... How are you trying to live? okay. At the dinner... (laughs) At the dinner I was at... Also, those are my suggestions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) A stuffed mushroom and a mozzarella stick. Okay, I think a mozzarella stick is also like a try. It depends on where you are. If a mozzarella stick is the only... Option, if you're, like, dealing with things that you've already, like, everything you've seen before, fine, go with what you like. But if there are new things on the menu, yes, agreed. try them. You're at a restaurant. You can make guacamole at your house. You can buy it anywhere. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm I feel always, like, I agree. I like my comfort foods. I get it. But, like, if you're going out, why not? Get something Live you can't little. make. Yeah, get something yeah. you can't make. Yeah. That's I always, why I always get a souffle if it's an option. Oh, Ooh. I always try to go for some, like, weird seafood appetizer. Mm. Maybe that's why people don't ask me to do it. I get scared of prawns with heads on, so I can't. I'm like visceral. Oh, I, like, I love them. I'm uh, scared of them. So yeah, just to be clear, like guys, we're, talking, we're talking about a spinach dip. Like, what are we No, talking? at the restaurant I was at where I first introduced this take and everyone I was with was like, oh, what the hell? Uh, there was a white bean dip on the menu and I was like, hey, that sounds interesting. <laughs> we're looking for like a dip type thing. Why don't we try I would have voted that? you down. <laughs> yeah, everyone was like, uh. But then I, I was so like, yeah, let's try it. And then it's like a white, I love the you're so passionate so and the excited. thing that you're excited for is a white, white bean, bean dip <laughs> it's just like the worst thing I've ever heard it was heard. more than it's I really worse than your hill like, it wasn't bad it's bad that's damn it that's why did you bad. ruin my <laughs> a white bean you didn't have to do this to me <laughs> I know I was really excited I was like she's gonna say ceviche she's gonna yeah, say yeah. no I think ceviche is hard to eat what <laughs> I think it's hard to eat in a shared dinner no it's not it's delicious but if you're ordering it as an individual thing if it's a shared thing it's hard to eat it is it is hard to share oh. I thought it was going to be like some tapa thing with like all little things yes with okay like, that's I thought it was going to be something like that but yeah. the white bean the white bean I was not that ready for the think, white I have a friend dip. I have a friend who says that there's only six <laughs> things worth eating and it was like when you said white bean dip it's it like was you lost all of us it yeah. was good look you guys, stop interfering with Priyanka's attempt sorry, sorry, sorry. to live her truth. She is living her white bean dip truth. Uh, and we can all go back wow. to our basic ass guacamole lives. Yeah, you're right. She's living her white yeah. bean dip truth. <laughs> okay, guys, this was great. This is all the time we have today. Karen, thank you for stopping by. Tian, thank you for stopping by. Priyanka, thank you as always thank for you. making the long journey down the hall. <laughs> <laughs> And thanks to Alyssa Master Monaco for calling in. There will be more hysteria for you next week. Hysteria is a product of Crooked Media. Caroline Reston is our producer. Our editor is Sarah Barrett, and Kyle Seglin is our sound engineer. Thank you to Juliet Beckstrand for production support and to our digital team, Elijah Cohn and Nadina Melkonian for filming and editing our video content every week. Step with the